everybody, we are the Northeast Stephen Sundime Theatre and welcome to episode one of season two of A Little Night Podcast. We had an absolute ball recording season one that we had to start recording season two. This season is going to be bigger and better. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away, but we've got some very exciting things planned. Anyway, on to this episode. My name is Adam Donaldson and I'm the Nets Company Manager and I'm going to be your host for tonight. Joining me... We have my right-hand man, the Nest Assistant Company Manager, the sensational, award-winning Best Actor at the Sensefield Drama Festival 2020, David Parker. Hi. (laughs) We also have the hilarious and the new fundraising coordinator, Holly Parkinson. Good evening. And we also have Italia Conti's own... (laughs) We also have Italian Conti's own and WWE superfan, the Nest Publicity Manager, Anna Maria Smith. That's right, that's me. (laughs) Well, now that you've met me guests, let's get on with this episode. Now, I've got a few new episodes planned for season two, but we want to start off with something familiar for you all. You might have remembered that in season one, we did an episode called Manacle Mains, which was hosted by yours truly, and we wanted to make a sequel to it. Now, this episode entails me giving my guests three statements weighing up the positive and negatives to a Sondheim character. And at the end, we need to come up with a verdict, whether they're good or evil. Obviously, I just want to give credit to Russell Cade's Evil Genius podcast series, because it is very much based on that. In season one, we made our verdict on the witch, spoiler alert. The guest in that episode said that she was evil. So it's time to make another verdict on another character. Will they have two evil characters in a row? You'll just have to listen and find out. So the character we're gonna be list that we're gonna be talking about is the titular character in the show. He's handy with a paintbrush and he isn't a fan of stripes. Today, we're going to be having a look at George Surratt in Sunday the Park with George. And it's somebody who I know very well, as uh, two years ago I actually played the part. <laughs> so I'm going to go say that he's evil from the outset, because have you seen that beard? It doesn't, it doesn't look like he's had a shower in quite a while. But anyway, let me tell you a bit about uh, George Surratt. So the musical Sunday the Park with George is uh, uses George Surratt's light as an inspiration. First act begins with a black canvas and ends with a remarkable recreation of the masterpiece. And it all goes through how George Surratt creates his paintings and shares his opinions of the people around him and tries to recreate their lives and the relationships they have with others. And at the end, we see the finished picture of Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jatte. So, why not? Let's get straight into it. So... To my guests, David Potter up first. What is your first opinion when you think of George Surratt? <clears throat> well, first opinion um, is that, I mean, it's pretty harsh to sort of contrast good and evil, but he's cantankerous. He's very grumpy at the very least. Um, but he's been made that way by the environment, by the, the art landscape of the time. You know, he's rejected by pretty much everybody he comes across all of his subjects who he's making immortal through his paintings are um are 
you know, don't like him, but he is very, very rude to them. But, you know, it's a chicken and egg situation. Is, don't they like him because he's rude to them or vice versa? Um, yeah, so the only opportunity in Sunday in the Park with George that we really get as an insight into his sort of emotional thinking really is finishing the hat, um, which is all about blame, you know, and that's a really, that's a key insight. So, you know, he's, he's, he's very much, um, blaming everybody around him that this is the way that he is. And all he's trying to do is create a masterpiece and, you know, he's trying to sort of create a legacy for himself. And yeah. Um, so the greatest insight into his character is one of that he's, uh, blaming people, which obviously is not a good quality. Yes. So I'm leaning on the side of evil. I think evil's a bit harsh. I don't think <laughs> he's evil. But um, I think we're definitely on that side of the spectrum rather than good. Yes. Well, Anna Maria Smith, what is your first opinion? What do you think well, of George Sorrell? I do love myself an emotionally unavailable man with a beard. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that sums up George in a nutshell. Um, you you want to like him so bad. And I think especially when someone's name is the title of the show, you want to root for that person. You want them to be the protagonist, but he's just, he's just so cold. Like he's, it's very hard to, um, to relate to him, I think for most people. And I think he's quite hard to, to read for the other characters in the show, which to me is kind of a big, I'm not going to say a turn off because that's not the right word at all. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like he's, um, it's very hard to like someone who doesn't let you in. And I feel like we don't, we're not let into George's, you know, wants, needs, hopes and dreams very easily. Um, so again, like David, I, I don't think I could quite call him evil. But I wouldn't take him home to me, ma'am. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, let's, Let's not say that he's maybe evil, but maybe good and nasty. Maybe. Maybe he's <laughs> not a nice person. Not fully evil, though, like the witch. Um, but Holly Parkinson, what is your opinion? I kind of. Sarat? I kind of have like almost the opposite perception of Anna, in which obviously he's the title. I agree, he's the title character. So your automatic reaction is to root for him. But I think like. Like, the grumpiness and the coldness and, like, the, the almost mystery makes him, like, like almost, like, dare I say, endearing. Like, you want to know more about him. Like, you want to know who he is. And I think the way he works is interesting. And like David was saying, like, you're not quite sure whether he's the cause or the effect. You don't know whether or not he's been made that way or whether or not he's made other people that way. And I think watching him go through what he does and watching, like, just the arc of his story is kind of what draws you in and it kind of because I think he is if you kind of lay him out like linear and be like well he does this and this and this that must mean that he's not a very nice flow for me it's not necessarily how I feel watching him I kind of like I root for him a little bit and I want him to get what he wants and especially like I think during finishing the hat when you do get that insight that tiny bit of insight you get like gives him like just enough humanity to the point where I'm like, actually, no, like, he's a person and he struggles. And I think, I think all the rejection that he feels, I think it depends on, it depends person to person how you, as a person, deal with rejection. 
Because if you don't feel very well, you'll see yourself in him. But if you're someone who kind of tends to like barrel on through and roll with the punches, then you'll be like, well, I can't, I can't relate to that as a person. So I'm, I think, I think he's good, but troubled. I think a work in progress. Well, maybe these statements will could shift your ideas. So, without further ado, let's get <laughs> on to the first statement. So, first statement I've got here is art over common decency. Hmm. George Surratt is obviously a very talented artist and very dedicated to his work. But is that any excuse to treat Dot the way that he did? He's constantly pushing her aside, not giving her any attention and constantly making her feel second best. Until the beautiful We Do Not Belong Together, which is actually one of my favourite songs in Sons of Father George, uh, where Dot is fully getting a point across that before she leaves George. Is it right? Should George have been like this to put his talent first? Because I would say, like, say if I'm... Say if I'm like doing a, I'm doing really well at work or something. I'm not gonna be nasty to the, <laughs> to like every all my colleagues, just to get a, <laughs> like do the work well. If that makes sense to me, but like, so I don't really see how he can be the the way he is just because of his work. But what do you guys think? Uh, we'll go to Anna first. Oh. See, I think a lot of his um a lot of his kind of downfall comes from his perfectionism. However, I think personally, if he was a better person, so um so like if, uh, the song that Yvonne sings, uh, No Life. I think if he was a better person and you know took more from the people around him rather than just what he could see, I think that would translate into his work. And everything would be a little bit better for him. I think by closing himself off the way he does, he limits himself, not just creatively, but um, emotionally, which is going to affect every aspect of his life. So, and especially the way he treats Dot, it drives me mad. I love Dot. But when you listen to her two kind of upbeat songs, Sunday in the Park with George and Every uh, Everybody Loves Louie, they seem really happy and jolly and upbeat, but like they're heartbreaking when you pick them apart. Like this is a woman who is just being completely cast aside no matter what she does. Um, and she's not, it's not even as if he's like, go away, I don't want to see you again, because he, he keeps using her essentially with no intention to, to ever, you know, actually take anything any further with her and I just think he's he's so shut off that it's quite it's very limiting for him yeah 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 like I remember when we were in rehearsals and obviously with David directed he was the way that David directed me was to be very emotionless towards um Ellie Lakey uh shout out if you're listening Ellie uh she was dot um and I remember after scenes, I was I would always be like, I'm really sorry that I've had to do that because, like she was she was given so much, like obviously it's the character, and then I was just completely shutting it off, like no, like this is, this is what George wants, this is what George needs, and I'm, I'm I agree with it, and I feel really sorry for that. Like I feel like what she has to go through and put up with, it's it's 
it's a bit it's shocking, Mike, but you know. But maybe that's because it's an evil person. But anyway, we won't <laughs> we won't diddle daddle on that. Holly, what do you think of, about that art over common of, decency? I, little statement. I agree with Anna to an extent. I think it's done I think with people who you're quite distant from or other people in the industry. I would understand him not being very nice to them because I think, it, like, with when it's set and like the way people treat him, I understand him wanting, like, not being bothered about stepping on other people and like using other people to do what to like get where he wants to go. But I think with Dot, I think he obviously, unless he doesn't, I'm not sure. I think he he quite obviously sees how much he dotes on him, and I just don't think he's bothered. Which I'm quite, but I'm like, Dot is also a grown woman, yeah. so Dot could just be like, you quite obviously don't care about me, so like, I'm going to go. But I think, like I said before, I think all of his, like, mystery and, like, ooh, he's actually, like, not that nice, is, like, like the fact that that can be endearing, I think, is what keeps Dot, like, kind of, like, like pandering to him. And so I think, I think it is mainly his fault, but I think it's, like, a 95 to 5 split where I do think if Dot, like, was maybe less tolerant of him. She should just walk off, but I know that it's a lot of the time not that easy. So I think I agree with Anna. I'd say I agree with Anna. I think he needs to chill <laughs> being so mean to Doc. <laughs> <laughs> David Parker? <Oof>, yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit because I want to make <laughs> things interesting. Um <laughs> It is very much, in George's mind, the ends justify the means. You know, he is cantankerous. He knows that he's onto something with this pointillism stuff. He knows it. He absolutely knows that he's, he's, nothing will deter him from this. Nobody around him can see this. Literally nobody, you know, th- this is represented by Jules. Um, you know, he comes around, he can't see the benefit of it. And like, he, he's not even willing to sort of give too much of a... Uh, to, to look at the painting really closely, you know, the, the most that Jules gives him is what two minutes in that scene it's it's insulting um and then <clears throat> we know that George Seurat like you know at, at various um events uh, other painters had their paints uh, paintings removed uh, because they they saw you know the fact that his painting being there as a um you know as an insult to the to the craft almost so he's in the he's very much in this situation where nobody is giving him anything um but then as soon as he dies he's infamous not not infamous he's famous he, he you know everybody loves his stuff and it's almost as if you know it it takes <laughs> that to me implies that he was so cantankerous that everybody was just waiting for him to die and that that was what it took in in order for people to sort of go you know what he was actually a really good painter <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he was so um, the fact that he was so, uh, such a grumpy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, with, people just weren't willing to give him, people, people weren't willing to give him an inch. And because of that, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's very much that question of, you know, chicken and egg, which one came first. Um, and it's a tug of war between both. And let's just say that George, he won because he's now renowned you know um he's the only <clears throat> excuse me he's the only character in the first act whose name isn't made up yes very true and like, i think when you look at um act two i think 
George Surratt is looked at very differently. Like to the George, to the grandson George in Act Two. Absolutely. Like, like he's looked as like you're not as good. Yes. Yeah. Um, on that point, if I may, um, that's very much the dichotomy of the two acts. You know, uh, George in the second act spends far too much. You know, the second act is pretty much putting it together. <laughs> we all remember. We all remember that, and that is all about appeasing everybody and trying to put, trying to convince people that your art is worth investing in. Uh, George in the first act did not do that enough. George in the second act did that too much. Yeah. Now there are three very very good points, and I'm glad it's. David, that he played devil's advocate because I was a bit nervous that it's an all agree. I asked something. Can I add <laughs> so that, something? That's good. Can I add something? Of course you can. Of I just think, after thinking about it, I think I was a little bit, I do think that Dot, to a level, knew, knows what she's getting into. And I think, I th- that, that sounds really, really mean, but I think if you're going to be with someone and like at first glance, they're like not really that bothered, <clears> then I think, Verette remains, she knows she's with an artist and someone that wants to succeed. And I think David's right in saying that to George, the end just tries to mean, because I think, like, obviously what happens to George when he's alive is kind of not a lot of bearing on what happens after he dies. What happens after he dies is important, is, like, like the art. So, like, obviously George was a real person. Like, for example, like, like Van Gogh is very much, like, immortalised through, his, through, like, his paint and all that stuff in his paintings aren't what they are without all of his, like, hair behind it. And so I think with George, he wouldn't have got where he got if it wasn't for how harsh he was to Dot. And I think she kind of knows that. That's all. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to statement two. And this one... This one, I would say, is more of a, a personal one. I mean, you can disagree with this only one. But this, obviously, by playing playing the part. This is what I kind of got from it. Um, so, when I was exploring the part, I always seen George in Act 1 quite like an introvert. Like, whenever he got to like speak with another character, it was very to the point. I don't want to speak to you for too long. Then I'm back to be painting. Is that just the way he is? And can that not really be helped? Is that just George Surratt himself? Is he just an introvert? Is he maybe socially awkward? And then is art then his safe space that he just wants to get out? And are these conversations just like kind of like uncomfortable to him? That was just something that I thought when I when I was playing the part. Uh, because the, another, if I was going to try and do a good thing, I I didn't want it to just be obvious and be like, he's a really good painter, so he's a really good person. <laughs> but I did find that he was quite introverted. He doesn't like them conversations. So can he really be made into a bad person if that's maybe the way that he is? If he is, if he just wants to get to that safe space, which is making the art. Um, David Potter, do you want to go first this time? Yeah, um... So for me, the, there's all kinds of <clears throat> indications that he's kind of on the high-functioning autistic spectrum. Yeah, I always thought I I I sort of considered that as as an angle. Um, uh, and yeah, like he he is, you know, he, he struggles with um, social 
interaction he really does. Uh, you know, he, he just wants to get on doing his own work. Um, and really in, in a, you know, when you are a painting, you're a bit of, when you're a painter, you're a bit of a celebrity. Um, and, you know, I mean, all that pestering and stuff, you know, when he's just trying to focus on his work, he's very focused on his work. That's his 100, 100% his mantra, but his work involves other people and he wants to keep them at a desk at a distance you know he wants to keep them on the other side of that window um so yeah like when they come over to him as the celestes do and he's like you know i've already painted you ladies um he very much wants to keep them on the other side of that window um and that that's you know to his credit because people can be really annoying <laughs> yeah. I think you'd be perfect around now, you know, like with social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be loving it. Honestly, yeah. he's just like everyone else on the tube. <laughs> but no, excuse me, keep your tube like so get up there. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, that's a, I think that is a really good point. Like, obviously, the work does include other people, but when it comes to actually chat to them which is like which is quite interesting when the the boatman uh, recognizes that he's actually drawn him because he does it quite secretly doesn't he george like he's always like looking at somebody until they notice him and then they're like, like especially the boatman's like what are you doing like what do you think you're drawing me and then obviously we had the amazing matthew college uh, singing that part uh you but, don't yeah. know <laughs> with that very famous line <laughs> it's like the next slogan <laughs> um, but yeah Anna Maria Smith what do you think about that do you think he maybe is when he gets in social situations can be a bit awkward can be a bit like uncomfortable maybe it does that make him a, a bad person I think there is a difference between being an introvert and being just a bit rude though because being, a, being an introvert, a lot, well, from my experience of being an introvert, I don't like to kind of prolong a conversation or, um, you know, cause confrontation. So for me, if I'm like, you know, having a conversation that I don't really want to have, I'm as pleasant as punch so I can get it over with and move on with my day and like get back to my room. Um, so <laughs> I don't. I think obviously there's all different kinds of in introverts, but I do just think he is a little bit rude. It's kind of like, to me, it comes across as if he, like we said, he's obviously so dedicated to his art. But for me, it kind of comes across that with that being the only thing he cares about, he sees everything else as like a waste of time. It's a bit like if you parallel it to Hamilton, you know, Hamilton's pushing aside his wife and, leaving you know leaving her when she's pregnant and stuff so that he can he's so obsessed with going to war and writing and you know making something for himself and I think it's a similar thing with George he sees everything else that's not his work or as a waste of time and a waste of energy um which I don't think is the healthiest way to go through life it's obviously <laughs> a massive like massive commitment and says a lot about his dedication which is you know good we love someone dedicated but I just don't think it's the healthiest way to exist. Yeah, that, that, that I would say it's a, very, a good point as well. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because 
I've played the part. I might be a bit biased, but I just feel like he just wants to. I don't feel feel like he's really trying trying to necessarily be. Re- I think at some points maybe is it's <laughs> really trying to be rude, but I feel like he's just like in the nicest way he can possibly. It's just like right, I'm working now. Let me be. Let let, let me destroy you. <laughs> So you have the massive disadvantage of having sympathised entirely with your character and doing done your prep. I guess, <laughs> and that's that's the genius. That's the that is the genius of Sondheim that he takes such a such a grumpy character and everybody does sympathise with his point of view. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Holly's it's very well written. If anything, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I feel like if I feel like if I hadn't had that connection with him. I would have been like, no, no, I'm not, not a fan, not a fan at all. Evil man. <laughs> Evil man. <laughs> uh, Holly Parkinson. Um, I think it's probably think? a combo of like, I think it's a combo of both. I think, I think it's partly who he is and partly because he wants to get on with his work. So I think when he is working in his head, his main motivator is, I want to get on with my work and you shut up. I just want to draw you. But I think, um, like if if he wasn't working and if he wasn't like so engaged in what he was doing, if he wasn't so dedicated to what he does, I still don't think he'd be any nicer to people. Like I still don't think I don't think if he put his like if he if he stopped painting and was like engaged in what he was doing and was fully committing to any conversation he was having, I don't think he'd suddenly be like all like happy and smiles and like and like punches on his head. I think he'd still be quite cold. I think it's just who he is as a person because I think. Yeah. If you are someone who, who like is willing, I think if you are someone who would naturally be more like more polite and accommodating and less rude, the conversations in between when he is working would be a lot more polite, I think, and a lot more approachable, and it'd be like just an easier conversation it, to have. Where he, I think he would literally just be like, "I'm really sorry, like I'm working," but he's not. He just even the people closest to him, like God, he just gives off the air of, "I don't care about any of you." I want to work and I think if he wasn't working it'd just be I don't care about any of you if that makes sense it does say a lot that even his it does say a lot that even his mum treats him that way exactly yes and actually that's a really good segue to get to the third (laughs) statement (laughs) Uh, that was not planned at all that's fantastic (laughs) Um, so the third statement is his relationship with his mother. This is one of the things that are... It annoys us so much, this. this. Because when we meet um, the old lady, as it is in the script, obviously, it's George's mum, she can barely even recognise George when we like first see her in the script. She's like, that man's noisy. And, like, she's talking about George, isn't she, at that point? Trying to chat me rubbery back in the um <laughs> the gossip sequence. I'm pretty sure it is. Um but and then obviously when we see them singing beautiful together, um George's mum's like speaking of memories of the past when they're looking out to like the surrounding area. So she's obviously, you know, she needs like help and maybe guidance. And should art and success really come before the care of a loved one, like, like, like his own mom? Because, as David said, obviously the mom started treating like that. Well, he's been treating his own mom the same as he's been treating Jules. He's, he's like, 
He was his enemy. So should the success of his talent, of his art, really come before Karen for a loved one, like his own mom? Holly Parkinson, do you want to get started? I think, I think I'm not sure, because I, I don't think it should, but I think in George's head it obviously should. I think he's willing to step, well, not step on necessarily, because his mum's not exactly like like any competition. But I think, like I, like David said earlier, I think for him, the ends always, because, because they kind of do, because his work is completely immortalised, but I think to him, the ends always, always by the means, and anyone, no matter who it is, whether it's his mum or dot or anyone at all who may be close or distant from him, anyone at all kind of poses any threat to his work and his success, he'll just step over them. Which, if you want to be successful, is probably the best yeah. way to be, even if it is, like, slightly inhumane. It probably is the best way to be if you just don't let anything phase you and you're entirely, entirely tunnel-visioned into your work, which he is. But it makes makes a good artist and a man with a good career not necessarily a good path. Yeah, I, I always feel sorry on George's mom. I th- Ann Taylor, the wonderful Ann Taylor. Hope you're <laughs> listening. Uh, again, I was like saying sorry to her as well. <laughs> I was saying sorry to everyone. I felt like, but um, honestly, she's one of my favourite characters in Sundance Park. George, just one lover. I just wish George was a bit nicer to her. Oh, I think I Adam was just a massive diva throughout Sunday in the Park with George, and that, that's that's why he was apologising because he was being Mariah Carey. I'm not going to deny it. I think it does say something about George's character, though, is if even when you're doing the show, you feel like you're being rude to whoever you're on stage with because you're that dismissive yeah. of what to do. I think it is very much a testament to who he is if you, playing him, are like, listen, I'm so sorry, I promise I'm not horrible. <laughs> Obviously, a very, very extreme example. <laughs> yeah, that's the nice thing. Like, uh, obviously, everyone knows me, I'm really, like, out out there, I would go in, like, talk to everyone, like, I'd try to be as kind as I can. But then George, it just seemed so much so different. I was just like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in the character now. I'm not being me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Anna, what do you think, how do you, what do you think about his relationship with his own mother? Now, th- this is, I think, the bit that kind of, is just as big of as a of a let's try again, shall we? I think this part is just as much a kick in the teeth as we have with Dot. Um, I just think there's a part in Act Two when his uh, his mother's saying, you know, like, oh well, you and your ex wife never had kids, and like that's the family line stopping. When really, like, the family line does live on through his work, and I just think that's really sad that. The the last thing that he has to kind of show for himself is his work. Like, I obviously it was years and years ago, but people are apart from Dot. Really, people will literally only remember that guy by his painting. Um, he clearly, you know, doesn't have the best relationship with his mother. So I'm imagining there's no not many memories of like sunny picnics and a roast dinner that they can <laughs> share. Um, and I feel like it's it comes back to that thing again. He just, everything else is is background noise to him apart from his work. And I think when it comes to your 
your mother, I mean, unless your parents have done something not very nice, then, you know, they, they should be a huge part of your life. And the fact that she's not, I think just shows the extent of how cold he is. You know, a lot of people who don't have many friends or relationships will still be close to a parent or a family member, but he's just like, snip, snip, they're all gone. Not important, which I think is really sad. And I think that's probably one of his worst traits. Yeah. That felt very morbid. I feel like <laughs> it It just got really dark outside around me as I was saying all that. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like, sound of silence in the background. <laughs> but, David. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I, like, I don't think there's any malice in it. I think that he's just, you know, uh, he's kind of, uh, um, yeah, like he, I can kind of very much sympathize with this side of it because I'm like, I, I get very focused on my work and I'm like, I, I can, once I've done this task I'm one thing at a time kind of thing so I'm focused 100% on a task and then I'm 100% focused on the next thing and then 100% on the next thing um to the detriment of um friendships and these kinds of things and I know that that's something of myself I I will say that throughout uh Sunday in the Park with George throughout that process I saw a lot of myself in George (laughs) (laughs) very very much so it was a little bit close to home um and if i'm taking that as uh if i'm taking myself as a base model there's no malice in it it just kind of happens and if he's waiting if he's waiting for recognition and he's waiting for some sort somebody in the art community to go we accept you that's that may be all that he wants that may be all that he wants. I don't know. Like, it may be the case that, you know, he he is just wired that way. And so he's, he's like, you know, as soon as somebody says that they accept him, he'll be like, great, and on to the next one. And then, you know, he'll just be the same guy. Um, I don't see any malice in it. So, But with regards to his mother, um, perhaps he just finds it very difficult to deal with that situation. I don't know. If I were the uh, devil's advocate to myself... I would say mm-hmm. beautiful is when is when um you see him at his most like caring maybe, and yet he's still painting her yeah uh, or totally. sketching her like there's still that even in that moment I, I I really wish that I had the lyrics of beautiful in my mind but it is a duet bit and I didn't memorize that part of it you'd probably be able to say more than I can on that but yeah like I I agree like you do get a much more of an insight into his relationship with his mum, but at the same time, he is still yeah. sketching her. There mm. is still that barrier in the way. Yeah. I remember, like, there was one, that I think there was literally a little second where literally I looked up at her, and I was straight back down at the pad. And so what you're saying, yeah, I can definitely see that, like, although he is being nice, he is being caring, Probably a bit more human, you could say, uh, his relationship with his mother. At the same time, yeah, he's still using it to get that that thing, which is the success. She's still a subject, yeah. a subject in that moment, yeah. Well, he has, he has a time where a little joke comes in. I think it's time we move on and come to a decision. 
But don't. Uh, okay, so Bob. we've spoke about George Surratt. We've, we've spoke about <laughs> art over common decency. Is he maybe introverted? Is art a safe place? His relationship with his mother. They're probably one of the most closest people to him. He doesn't even put aside the art for her. I haven't really made him sound quite nice here, but my <laughs> guess here, could you please come to a decision whether George Surratt is good or evil slash nasty? Anna, you're up first. Okay, so I have trash-talked George the whole way through on every question. <laughs> However, I just can't, I can't bring myself to say that he's evil because... Slash nasty. Slash nasty because although he is nasty, oh, he is he he is a bit oh okay. Um, I'm gonna have to. He's he's nasty, even when Jake Gyllenhaal plays him, and he's beautiful and nasty. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to just go with nasty. Sorry, sorry, George. I feel like when I've said good at evil, it makes out that he's like. Uh... Like he's like a villain in a Marvel film. <laughs> yeah, he's not quite Thanos. <laughs> not quite. But yeah, we'll say nasty. We'll say nasty for him. Um, but yeah, so I've got one nasty. Holly, what verdict have you came to? Ah, uh, I really, I really am half and half. But I think if I have to swear to a side, and I'm gonna say nasty, just because if I, I think that if I met him in real life, I think I'd hate him. So I'm gonna say I don't think I'd be like, "Oh, he's serious." <laughs> therefore, it. I think I just think he was he was a he was a massive ding. So I'm gonna side with Nasty. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, David. Um, <laughs> I mean, sadly, <laughs> the decision can't. If if you're gonna say good, sadly can't sway it. I'm afraid. But yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm saying 100% Nasty. I haven't checked. I haven't, I haven't changed my mind at all, but I get it, man. I totally get it. Like, you know, he's he's up against all of this, you know, the arts community and his own mum's against him. I totally get it. He's nasty, but yeah, it's with good reason. And you know what? He showed them. Yeah. Well, how sad. I mean, is there any is there any good Sunday characters? <laughs> Maybe we need to wait till season three. To find out. I think the bakers are Let's okay. Know. Can, can we do milk? Can we do Milky White? <laughs> Milky yes. White. Um, so much to go into. On the YouTube, if you listen, if you listen on if if you listen on the YouTube, let's go for <laughs> twenty likes and Milky White will be in season three. Man, it will be. Yes. <laughs> um, so we've had the win. If, if we get if we get thirty if we get thirty likes, we're going to do Anthony. And we're probably going to make sure that he's nasty as well. <laughs> That's an uphill battle. <laughs> so, well, we've had the witch evil. George is nasty. Who will be next? Who's nice? But, you know, we'll find out in maybe season three. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit here, but I mean, one episode one of season two, you've still got an amazing season to come. Thank you very much, Anna, Holly, and David for taking part. 
Thank you, Adam. And Thank you. No problem. And be ready <laughs> because there is some amazing episodes coming up in this season. I wish I could tell you, but I really can't. Like <laughs> our page on Facebook, facebook.com slash nest online. Like our Instagram, or no, follow Instagram, www.instagram.com slash nest online. And subscribe to our Patreon, which is also Nest on Light. (laughs) So, thank you very much and have a lovely evening. And we'll see you next Monday for a live podcast. Good evening. Bye.